0: Africa, rise and shine. Africa, força. Africa, amka na unai.
1: Good morning and a very warm welcome to the final hour of Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We're on DSTV's audio bouquet Channel 802 and on www.channelafrica.co.za. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Moussa, Tabisolo Hoko and Figile In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine is the Sawa, An application by former South Africa's President Jacob Zuma to have the State Capture Commission chair recuse himself will be heard at the commission this morning. Fugitive and self-declared prophet Shepard Bushiri instructs his lawyers to urgently interdict the Pretoria Magistrate's Court from revoking his 200,000 rand bail. In economics news, the Kenyatta International Convention Center in Kenya is banking on continued global recognition to position Kenya as a top meetings, incentives, travel, conferences, and exhibitions destination. And in sports news, Wafana Wafana Coach says they need three points at all costs tonight against Sao Tomei. But first up, the news with Ann Musa.
0: SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African
2: perspective.
3: perspective. Good morning, I'm Anne Moussa. Former South African President Jacob Zuma's lawyers are optimistic that judgment in his application for the recusal of chairperson of the Commission of Inquiry into State Capture, Deputy Chief Justice Raymond Zondo, Will be in their clients' favor. This comes as Zuma prepares to appear before the Commission this morning. Last month, Zondo authorized the Secretary to the Commission to issue summons for Zuma. This after the former president failed to appear before the Commission between September the 21st and the 25th. Zuma is compelled to appear before the Commission this coming week. Zuma has accused Zondo of being biased against him. Henny van Feeren is the director of non-governmental organization Open Secrets.
4: He's trying to effectively test the strength of our our judiciary. Um, And I think that it's a very dangerous game. It's a very dangerous political game. And it would force uh, the deputy chief justice to consider um, bringing charges against President Zuma.
3: The South African government spokesperson Pumla Williams says Pastor Shepard Bushiri left the country illegally as he had surrendered his passports to authorities as part of his bail conditions. Bushiri and his wife fled to their home country, Malawi, last week. They were released on bail earlier this month after they were arrested on charges of corruption and fraud relating to an investment scheme worth over 6 million US dollars. Williams has confirmed that the government has begun an extradition process with Malawi.
5: We have a good relationship with the uh, government of Malawi. We also have an extradition treaty agreement which we are using to start the process of getting Bushiri to return and face the full might of the law. We are hoping that when she comes here, she will be also able to share light to the South Africans How she left our country as part of the condition of the base was that she should surrender the passport and which we can confirm that she did surrender. So I think at this point we can safely say she left our country illegally.
3: Libya's political peace talks have ended without naming a new transitional government and presidency council in the interim. The UN's interim Libya envoy Stephanie Williams says no names were discussed during the week-long meeting that ended on Sunday. During the talks involving delegates from rival sides, a preliminary agreement to a roadmap for elections was reached. The talks are being held in neighboring Tunisia. The political peace talks started on Monday following last month's ceasefire agreement signed between the warring sides in Geneva. The states of Michigan and Washington have imposed sweeping new restrictions on gatherings to slow the spread of the coronavirus. This after the U.S. crossed the 11 million mark in recorded infections since the start of the pandemic. Just a week ago, the U.S. hit the 10 million mark. America has recorded the most coronavirus cases across the globe and over 246,000 COVID-19-related deaths. U.S. President-elect Joe Biden's stop advisors have called for urgent action to address the rising number of infections. Warning that incumbent President Donald Trump's refusal to begin a transition of power could further jeopardize the battle against the virus. Dr. Kritika Kupali is an assistant professor at the Division of Infectious Diseases in the University of South Carolina.
6: We need to be able to have access to privileged information that the Trump team has. We need to know information about the vaccine distribution plan that they have come up with and other information that the Trump team has been developing over the course of the last few months. So the Biden team needs that information, and that's
3: not information that they can get at
6: the last minute. That's information that takes weeks to months for them to
0: get.
3: And finally, the Eswatini Prime Minister, Ambrose Lamini, has tested positive for COVID-19 and is self-isolating at home. In a statement, he said he is asymptomatic and feeling well. The country formerly known as Swaziland has recorded 6,093 coronavirus cases with 119 COVID-19-related deaths so far. That's the news headlines at 7.30 Central African time.
7: SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective.
1: Thank you, Anne. It is 7.06 Central African time, and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine, coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. An application by former South Africa's President Jacob Zuma to have the State Capture Commission Chair, Deputy Chief Justice Raymond Zondo, recuse himself, will be heard at the commission this morning. This comes after Zuma was served with a summons to present himself to the inquiry this week, to respond to allegations of corruption levelled against him. Zuma filed the recusal application last week Thursday, claiming that family ties he has with Zondo may cloud the Deputy Chief Justice's judgment as chair of the inquiry. Nomalizo Mandel recaps this matter for us.
8: The last time former President Jacob Zuma appeared at the State Capture Commission, his legal team, led by advocate Muziz Kakane, announced his withdrawal from the proceedings, threatening to approach the courts over the commission's conduct.
9: My client has instructed me that he will take no further part in these proceedings. He respected you, he still does, he respects this commission, but the commission does not seem to know its ground rules. And for that reason, we came here to tell you that we want to explore the option of going to our court to challenge what we think is your decision, but you've told us it's not. In any event, I have an ethical duty myself. I believe that a client, a witness, like any witness, must be treated fairly, and at this point, I'm not certain that I'll be doing my ethical duties if I proceeded in this proceeding.
8: After a lengthy back and forth between the legal teams, Deputy Chief Justice Raymond Zondo adjourned proceedings, saying that Zuma will come back another time to be agreed upon by both parties. The commission has since been struggling to get the former president back on the stand. In September, Zuma, through his lawyers and his foundation, accused Zondo of being biased against him as a result of the two having historical, personal, family and professional relations. It is on this basis that Zuma filed an application to have Zondo recuse himself as the commission chair legal expert ulrich ru says while the application may not succeed in having deputy chief justice raymond zondo recuse himself it will succeed in delaying zuma's appearance at the commission
9: if, if one looks at, at zuma's uh, previous uh, strategies pertaining to litigation against them. It's always been the strategy of kicking the can down the road and uh, trying to prolong matters as long and as far as possible. And I think this is exactly the same strategy. You know, I, I do think that this is a frivolous application and I don't think that it has any chances of being successful but it will be successful in installing uh, Zuma's testimony in front of the Zondo commission.
8: Earlier this month, Zondo issued a summons to compel Zuma to Appear from the 16th to the 20th of November after he failed to honour a pre-arranged date of the 21st to the 25th of October,
10: requiring Mr. Jacob Zuma, former president of the Republic of South Africa, to appear before the Commission at 10 o'clock on the 16th to the 20th of November, 2020 both days inclusive for purposes of giving evidence before the commission and being questioned in order to ascertain certain matters relating to the subject of the investigations of the commission. That is the order I'm
8: making. Political analyst Ralph Mateja believes that the credibility of the commission is intact and that Zuma's attempts to tarnish it will backfire in the credibility of the commission it's not an issue here the commission is working very openly listening to people but of course there are those that want to challenge its credibility saying it is a witch hunt it's quite a difficult idea to sustain because in most cases those are the people that have got a case to answer or at least have got uh, at least some explanation to give before the commission so it will be quite difficult and i think that that the courts will get irritated with many attempts by one person to keep on uh, questioning processes uh, as a way to avoid dealing with substantive matters at hand. On Friday, the Commission Secretary Itumiling Musala released a statement saying that attempts to obtain clarity on whether Zuma will comply with the summons have been unsuccessful. He said Zuma's lawyers informed the Commission that their client had not told them that he would defy the summons. The proceedings will begin with the recusal application at 10 in the morning. Normally, Mandela, Johannesburg.
1: The Ethiopian government has appointed a chief executive officer to lead a provisional government in its northern Tigray region, where it has been carrying out a military offensive. The local leadership there, the Tigray People's Liberation Front or TPLF, have been de- designated as criminals by parliament. Clashes between national and regional forces have been continuing since the 4th of November. Koleta Wanjohi reports.
11: Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed is cracking down on the leadership of the northern region. An arrest warrant has been issued for members of the party that enjoyed leadership of Ethiopia for 27 years before Abiy Ahmed took over in 2018. 96 of them have been arrested by the federal police, 64 of these are civilians and 32 are military officers. The parliament of ethiopia has also revoked immunity against the arrest of 39 members of the tplf party calling them criminals
7: in order to ensure that a culture of impunity will not become the norm we have continued to exert great effort to identify and apprehend those who have been involved in corrupt transactions and those that need to be held accountable for their crimes will soon be brought to justice.
11: Human rights group Amnesty International has condemned the mass killings of hundreds of people in West Tigray since November 4th, which the government is blaming on the Tigray leadership. In the capital Addis Ababa, the police have arrested more than 200 people it claims have been assisting the Tigray leaders to oppose the government. Sudan continues to report an influx of more than 8,000 Ethiopians seeking refuge. But Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed says the military offensive is achieving its goals.
7: The National Defense Forces' liberation of the western part of Tigray from TPLF's grip is a victory for the Ethiopian soldiers of the Northern Command that faced gruesome and fatal attacks. It is a victory for the innocent civilians of my cadre that were brutally massacred by TPLF forces this week. It is a victory for the peace-loving and hard-working people of Tigray who have been isolated from their fellow Ethiopians through the unceasing hate and fear propaganda of TPLF.
11: 14 private security companies linked to the Tigray have been declared illegal. Meanwhile, the African Union has terminated the contract of its head of security, an Ethiopian at the rank of a major general. This follows communications from the Ethiopian Ministry of Defense to the AU Commission, suggesting that the officer could not be trusted as the ongoing offensive continues. Journalists still lack access to the war zone where a six-month state of emergency has been declared. Collector Anjohi, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia.
10: Across the globe, every second there's always a breaking story.
11: for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa.
6: Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Hilda loa in Zambia.
10: Our cutting-edge and hard-hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned, giving you the whole picture every time.
0: George Muhango, Channel Africa Blanter.
10: Reporting for Channel Africa,
0: this is Moki kinzika in yaundi from an african perspective listen to channel africa in english kiswahili french silozi portuguese and chinyanja informing the world about africa
10: join us every day and know what is happening around you channel africa
11: in each and every one of us there There is is a pepper
12: and graves we were all meant to shine it is
11: up to an individual to To realize realize that that don't
12: ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Join
11: me, Amanda Machaga, on Life by Design, where I will be talking to people who share their journey on how they discovered their purpose with the hope to inspire you to to live your life life by by design. Design. Tune in to Life by Design for your dose dose of Monday Monday motivation motivation every Monday at 8 a.m. Central African time and at 2 a.m. the following day. Life Life by by Design, be the architect architect of your life. Only on Channel Africa, be African African perspective. perspective.
1: It's 7.16 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Zambians have continued to debate their current president Edgar Lungu's eligibility to contest election in the year 2021 after being voted in office for a second time. The president and his supporters say he does qualify but some legal minds the opposition political parties and civil society organizations stand tall and insist that he does not qualify.
13: It is slowly getting charged politically in the 17 million populated and copper-rich republic that has long wanted to premise its values on Christianity. Zambia that goes for general elections every five years has that constitutional aspect at presidential level tempered with after the death of two sitting presidents, Levi Mwanawasa, the third, and Michael Chilufya Sata, the fifth president. The August 2021 vote in Zambia has many intricacies surrounding it, one heated one today being that of current president's eligibility to contest for the third time. According to the Zambian constitution, for one to be eligible to contest for election of president They should not have been voted twice as president, of which the current one, Edgar Lungu, has already been elected twice as president. But another clause in the same constitution stipulates that a term for a president is five years. And Lungu has not served ten years, but only one full five-year term and another one and a half year, thereby making him arguably serve six and a half years instead of 10 years the opposition stands on the first one to say that he does not qualify for election for the third time as president while the governing party the patriotic front backs lungo that he has not served 10 years as a term is only five years the courts in zambia had to sit on this matter which it pronounced that lungo had not served for two terms of presidency Hence, he stands eligible to contest as president in 2021. After intense public debate over the last few weeks, where a cross-section of society is torn apart, the president, Edgar Lungo, has now reason to challenge everyone not in support of him standing as president in 2021 in this president Lungu is affirming in local language that the constitutional court ruled that he only served for one term and he is eligible to contest for 2021 general elections Others, like prominent constitutional lawyer John Sangwa, have stood tall and promised to block Lungu from being on the ballot in 2021. But political analyst Geoffrey Mulenga has this on this matter.
7: That matter was uh, taken to court, then to, uh, took the matter to court, right? And uh, the constitutional court ruled on the matter. And that's uh, here we are talking of uh, what the constitutional court pronounced itself, that President Rungu only, his term cannot be counted from 2015 to 2016. And his term can only start counting from 2016 up to 2021. So in a nutshell, what the court said is that President Rungu is saving his first term and is irrevocable to stand in 2021. And these same people who are actually against President Tungu, they join with the matter, including the opposition of Zambia. Kansas Angua was part of the matter. Zambia
13: DNA spokesperson Spooky notes that the Constitutional Court was clear and loud on the matter and wondered why some Zambians wanted to bring back the issue for debate.
5: So we think that uh, those who are making these noises. About uh, the said term, um, they are playing to the gallery. We expect them to focus on better things to help Zambians improve their welfare. But as usual, they center on uh, trivial matters and flimsy grounds to try to decampaign others. John Sangwa is the same one who lost that same election case in the Concord. So, how can John Sangwa now stand and say he's going to uh, petition the signing of nominations? By the president. Just have like a lost that case
13: in, in the courts of law. Zambians are now yet to see how 2021 unfolds on this matter, as promised by those against Lungu's candidature, as well as those that are for Lungu's candidature. Reporting for Channel Africa in Lusaka, Zambia, I'm Arthur Davis, Scopo.
1: The Infertility Awareness Association of South Africa is taking the council for medical schemes to court in an effort to force them to allow infertility treatment to be covered by medical aids. Currently, medical aid schemes only pay for the diagnosis and investigations related to infertility, but not the actual treatment. However, the medical industry has responded by calling for greater cover and emphasis on preventing infertility instead of a big drive towards covering the treatment. Tabi Mbela reports.
6: It's estimated that one in four couples in developing countries and one in six couples globally are affected by infertility. However, in South Africa, medical aid schemes only cover investigations related to infertility and not the treatment thereof. The Infertility Awareness Association of South Africa Ifasa has been challenging this for close to a decade now. Founder and CEO Saskia Williams says they are changing gear now.
1: It's less of the challenging of the medical aid schemes, it's more of challenging of the exclusion that the Council of Medical Schemes has put in for for infertility treatment to be covered. Um, It's going to be a legal battle now. So before we were, you know, we were pleading to to their better nature. We were pleading on the mass behalf of the masses and we were going on public pressure. They didn't really have to listen to us, let's face it. And for seven years they didn't. But now it's time to actually take this matter to court. The
6: Council for Medical Schemes sets out which conditions and diseases are covered by schemes. They say they are empathetic towards members of various schemes facing infertility, but they have to look at the affordability of covering infertility. Dr. Demi Modube is the senior manager for the clinical unit at the Council for Medical Schemes.
0: As you would know, with
5: most medical conditions, there are newer and more sophisticated modalities of treatment that continues to emerge even on a daily basis. The landscape continues to change over time. What you will find is that legislation struggles to keep up with these changes, So that's not something that the CMS is not on my floor. Deliberate attempt to try and see how we can uh, expand these benefits over time.
6: The Board of healthcare Funders says the success rate of infertility treatment is very low and that it didn't make financial sense to cover the treatment. Dr. Rajesh Patel is the head of risk and benefits at BHF.
5: I think if there's a question to be asked about infertility, the scheme should be asked, do you have sufficient primary care in place? to avoid and prevent those sequelae that cause infertility to be developed. And it's more important for us to spend money on that. So if you ask me right now, should we spend money on the preventative side of things for, to prevent infertility in the majority of patients in the first place, or should we pay for in-vitro fertilization? My bet would be on let's put primary care in place. Let's prevent people from becoming
7: infertile from many of those conditions.
6: The Fertility Society of South Africa says it's much cheaper to invest in prevention of infertility than in treatment. It says infertility can be prevented in both men and women, but education has to start very early on. Dr. Jack Biko is the Vice President of the Fertility Society of South Africa.
13: I think we have to support the call to focus on prevention. But once prevention has been unsuccessful, we... The fertility specialists are there to provide the treatment. And it is therefore unfair for the medical insurance or medical aids to not reimburse patients for a treatment which is caused by a disease but they they pay for the disease
6: in any case. The Council for Medical Schemes says a survey conducted in 2016 to assess satisfaction levels with what's being covered by schemes found complaints that the cover is mostly for curative rather than preventative treatment. It's expensive, premiums increase each year, yet what's covered declines. The Infertility Awareness Association of South Africa wants the public to support their legal challenge. And say it will benefit many people who desperately want to start a family. Tabi Lembele, Johannesburg.
1: The enlightened Christian gathering church leader shepherd bushiri has instructed his lawyers to urgently interdict the pretoria magistrates court from revoking his 200000 rand bail bushiri and his wife mary have contravened their bail conditions following their unlawful departure from south africa the couple was recently granted 200000 rand bail each in a theft fraud and money laundering case among their bail conditions the couple had to hand in their passports and not leave the country. They were also expected to report to a police station on Mondays and Fridays. Fennell
10: Schumer reports. Controversial self-proclaimed prophet Shepherd Bushirin wants Malawian authorities to compel their South African counterparts to prioritize his claims of death threats by investigating officers in his case. On Saturday, he took to a virtual platform to justify his address, citing freedom of expression.
9: I had to do this. I had to come to Malawi to make this address because as part of my bail conditions in South Africa, they said I should not comment anything. I should not say anything. What does that tell you? Now, am I having my rights? I shouldn't say anything. We have got human rights, and one of the rights is freedom to speech and expression. I can't express myself, I can't express my feeling over this
10: case because they said I should not say anything as a bail condition. He rubbished the assertion that he's a fugitive of the law and claims his consent about his safety. He claims attempts were made on his life in the past and that police have failed to assist.
9: What was more shockingly is the life threats I began to go through while I was in South Africa. In February this year, I almost got shot in Santon at a filling station. I opened a curse in South Africa. There is a foot. The Santon police, they are aware of this case. They even have a footage where my life was at a risk. I almost got shot, and until today, nothing has been done. I feel my life is not safe in South Africa. So many times I've had attempts of assassinations. I feel my life and my wife's life is not safe. I wouldn't want to die while my name is not clear.
10: Church members have been barred from speaking to medium. Meanwhile, Pretoria residents have expressed mixed feelings about Debushiri's escape and the violation of their bail conditions.
9: Apparently they were saying that, you know, that guy was being accused from some allegations whereby other people didn't have proof of you understand because he try to come clean on everything you know in life brah you gotta save yourself you understand if some people wanna have you killed or persecuted for something that you you're not really attended to or like the aggregations which is not on you obviously you gotta save yourself you gotta run away you know everybody wanna protect themselves yeah
0: it was not supposed just to go he were supposed to speak with the government and say, this is the situation. How did he run away? Where did he get that passport to escape the country? I think somewhere, somehow, he was involved with the government. Maybe the government helped him to run away.
10: Bushiri also reiterated his claims of being harassed by investigating officers. He says the matter was reported to relevant authorities, but in vain. His lawyers are expected to make an urgent application compelling the court from revoking his bail condition. The Malawian government has denied reports that it assisted the couple to flee, as a diplomatic row is reportedly brewing between South Africa and Malawi. Fanuel Shuma, Petoriam. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story
12: we have withstood the coronavirus storm. Now is the time to return our country, its people, and our economy to a situation that is more normal, that more resembles the lives that we were living six months ago. Following consultations with a number of stakeholders, cabinet decided that the country should now move to alert level one. The move to alert level one Will take effect from midnight on Sunday, the 20th of September 2020. This move recognizes that levels of infections are relatively low and that there is sufficient capacity in our health system to manage the current need.
0: Channel Africa.
1: Central African time and our headlines up next with Anne Lusa.
7: SABC News. Independent and impartial. From From an African perspective.
3: Good morning, I'm Anne Moussa on the headlines. Former South African President Jacob Zuma's lawyers are optimistic that judgment in his application for the recusal of chairperson of the Commission of Inquiry into state capture Deputy Chief Justice Raymond Zondo will be in their client's favor. The South African government spokesperson Pumla Williams says Pastor Shepard Bushiri left the country illegally as he had surrendered his passports to authorities as part of his bail conditions. And Libya's political peace talks have ended without naming a new transitional government and presidency council in the interim. Those are the stories making headlines. (laughs)
7: SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective.
1: Thank you and it is 7.31 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. The South African government estimates that 58% of 15 to 24 year olds are not in jobs, education or being trained. In order to tackle the country's pressing unemployment challenge, there needs to be the creation of in-demand skills and not just jobs. This is according to Onyi Nyawneri, Chief Executive officer at africa tukun services a johannesburg based recruitment a placement and training company nyaneri now joins us on the line to explain how digital skills can help the country as its economies become increasingly digitized on you good morning and thank you for joining us on africa rise and shine
5: good morning and thank you for having me also thank you to your listeners
1: Now, firstly, Onyi, you say employers actually have thousands of vacant positions to fill, yet the unemployment rate is rising. What's happening?
5: Well, uh, the challenge is that uh, it's not always about whether or not the jobs exist. It's also about whether the skills, we have the relevant skills to match the jobs that are currently uh, in existence. Uh, for example, uh, there have been a number of researches that have shown that uh, the jobs are changing. The nature of jobs that we currently seeing uh, that are becoming relevant in particular for employers are changing, especially in the light of the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, we also have seen that COVID-19 has accelerated you know, digitization of jobs uh, uh, and the digital economy in general. So, although uh, we, 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 we have a high unemployment rate, the bigger challenge is aligning people to the skills that our current economy requires.
1: Now, we see many companies resorting to um, retrenchment, to stay afloat especially now with the COVID pandemic, what do you make of this move? And what happens to all those uh, vacant positions?
5: Well, that's precisely uh, why the Global Skills Initiative uh, have been launched uh, in partnership with Africa TICON. What we've realized is that companies are not the same anymore. Uh, uh, If you asked companies uh, a year ago, uh, whether or not they would ever allow their uh, employee employee to work from home the whole year they would not have imagined this. uh companies you know felt that the status the the symbol, the the key symbol of status is having big offices where you have thousands and thousands of people working from but the like i said in, in previously the, the world that we know it has changed and will continue to change and so you would see companies beginning to relook at what their real needs are, uh, current needs, uh, uh, present needs, future needs, and what the growth potentials. are. And that's why we have seen a number of retrenchments. I'm not saying that retrenchments are not as a result of COVID-19 um, uh, in terms of the the, the ability of the companies to manage their cash flow, etc. But I think also COVID-19 and the fourth industrial revolution has forced companies to relook at. What type of employees do we need right now? Uh, what type of employees are we going to need in the future? What If we're going to grow as a company and adapt as a company to our changing world, You know, what type of skills do we need? And I think that's really what is driving uh, a lot of the retrenchment, efficiencies within the system, efficiencies within the – and a response to the digital economy. And if you look at what we're trying to do through the Global Skills Initiative South Africa is to say to employees, employees, wake up. Uh, things are changing around you. If you think you were relevant before, it is changing. And therefore, this is the opportunity to start reskilling, and um, in particular, responding to jobs, the in-demand skills that that the world needs, that South Africa needs in order to move forward. For example, we're in the era of big data, we're in the era of cybersecurity, we're in the era of data analysis, in the er- we're in the era of software development, Et cetera, et cetera, So unless you begin to acquire the kind of in-demand digital skills that Microsoft and Africa to control, the Global Skills Initiative, South Africa and globally is putting it on the table, then it, it, it's, the, it's a game changer. The world is changing and you have to respond to it.
1: Now, looking at uh, the response in terms of the world changing and uh, you know digitalization and uh, the fourth industrial revolution, how do we create these skills is it from tertiary level or the workplace environment itself should they be upskilling their employees
5: i I do believe that uh, some of the twenty-first century skills is something that we need to start training at primary school i'm going all the way to high school and then all the way to tertiary uh, as a starting point, companies cannot just think think about their employees of today. They need to think about their employees of the future. If you look at the skills that the world is needing, by the time people are graduating from tertiary institutions, what they have learned is already obsolete. And so, the skills that we need to really, really ram in, I always say to people, in my in my opinion, education gives you a platform, but life is really about a lifelong learning. It's about relearning and uh, 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 being relevant rele- rele- along the lines of, you know, what your current um, uh, world is telling you. And so in terms of the skills, just using the Global Skills Initiative South Africa as an example, you know, what Microsoft has done brilliantly is that it went to, it said, what are employers looking for, for example? And and, and they they used LinkedIn economic graph to see what are employers Advertising for for the most, and for which they are creating jobs for, and they came up with ten learning pathways across different industries, from with IC, deep ICT or technical ICT in the data analysis, analytics, software developer, uh, network administrator, uh, uh, etc., to sales. Sales is still one of the top jobs uh, that employers are looking for. Uh, customer service specialist, um, financial analyst, graphic designer. They came up with all the 10 in-demand skills, and they are saying in-demand roles, and then they have created learning pathways that enables people to then automatically gain those skills and then be able to plug into those roles or those job opportunities within LinkedIn. But in summary, I, I think that we should start challenging our teachers, our educators, our lecturers, our schooling institutions to start thinking about skills that align to what employers are looking for, and for example, in the 21st century skills level, you would never go wrong with problem-solving skills, curiosity, critical thinking, to question everything, you know, uh, organization skills. Those skills oftentimes in our traditional industry, we're teaching children to cram, to vomit back to us what we have taught them, to just gain knowledge, but we're not teaching children to apply knowledge better to question knowledge, to critically analyze things in front of us, and to ask their teachers, why is this like this? And so I really think that the the way we look at knowledge needs to change strategically and also change uh, completely keeping the good elements, but looking at what is our world requiring of us.
1: Now, what do you have to say to especially young people um, seeking jobs, uh, struggling to get a job and how they can be in touch with uh, Africa Tekon?
5: I say to young people, it starts with you. Everything is about a partnership. You have to want it as bad as Africa Tekon or Africa Tekon Services wants for you. One of the things that we challenge our young people is to think about is what do I want out of life? and and where what what do i want to achieve what's my goal and then if once you are clear around it and if you are not clear join an organization like africa tickon that can help you come to some form of understanding of who you are what you want to achieve and where you want to go then the next step is to recognize that um there are many pathways to get there uh, some of us are born intellectually high and maybe university or tertiary is the place but right now in the world that we are in It's no longer about the tertiary or university. In one year, you can actually gain skills that companies want. Companies are looking for people who can add value in their business, who can help their businesses to grow in a really uh, 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 strategic way. So for people who are looking for jobs, Africa Second is always here for you. Our job is to help you, to assess you, to determine what is the best pathway for you to give you the necessary skills and to create the bridge between employers and you. But it always starts with you. You have to get up and want to do something for yourself. And you need to surround yourself with a network of people and a network of organizations that can help you. And the truth is, even if you have not generationally gained to touch with nobody in your household, the world has changed. You don't necessarily need to have that either. With the right skills over a six months to one year, maximum two years, and the right work experience, uh, you, you, you have what it takes to get there.
1: Onyi, thank you so much for joining us.
5: Thank you for having me.
1: That's uh, Onyi Nyauneri, Chief Executive Officer at Africa Token and Services, a Johannesburg-based recruitment, placement and training company, joining us on the line.
13: WHO recommends 30 minutes of physical activity a day for adults and one hour a day for children. If your local or national guidelines allow it, go outside for a walk, a run or a ride, and keep a safe distance from others. If you can't leave the house, find an exercise video online, dance to music, do some yoga, or walk up and down the stairs.
4: Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth to slow the spread of the coronavirus. For more information on the coronavirus, visit the World Health Organization site at www.who.int. When I think back to my childhood,
8: geographically, it reminds me of a time where I was black and only black and only struggling but at the same time, always reaching for something more, something bigger, in a South Africa that was hostile.
0: Hello,
6: Africa. This is 1000 African Voices, and I'm your host, Avurengui. Join me on Channel Africa every Thursday morning between 8 and 9, and on Saturday and Sunday morning between 9 and 10. Rise, Africa, rise. Channel Africa, from an African
1: perspective.
10: Across the
12: globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. We have withstood the coronavirus storm. Now is the time to return our country, its people, and our economy to a situation that is more normal, that more resembles the lives that... We were living six months ago. Following consultations with a number of stakeholders, cabinet decided that the country should now move to alert level one. The move to alert level one will take effect from midnight on Sunday, the 20th of September, 2020. This move recognizes that levels of infections are relatively low and that there is sufficient capacity in our health system to manage the current need.
0: Channel Africa 7:45
1: 7.45 Central African Time and our economics updates up next with Tavis Olo-Hoko.
4: Thanks Lulu, and good morning. Reeling from decades of economic mismanagement, Zimbabwe is a banking on gold to shore up a revenue and tackle the upshots of rampant hyperinflation, corruption, and coronavirus restrictions. Global gold prices have surged more than thirty percent this year, topping a record two thousand US dollars an ounce in August, as the precious metal became a safe haven for investors in the safe of COVID nineteen induced volatility. The country boasts vast gold reserves alongside chrome, diamonds, platinum, and another 40 other minerals. According to the International Monetary Fund, the government is eyeing gold as a possible magic bullet for an economy forecast to contract by a tenth this year. Zimbabwe's National Social Security Authority has achieved a seven-fold growth in investment performance between January and October this year. NWS's chief investments officer, Isaac Isaki, said last week that despite the difficult economic environment, the authorities investments had performed exceptionally well during the period. Isaki says they have achieved a sevenfold growth or 711% growth in investment performance from 2.7 billion US dollars in January to 21.77 billion dollars by October 2020. Malawian President Lazarus Chakwera has signed a memorandum of understanding on economic cooperation with the South African President Cyril Ramaphosa on the final day of his two day working visit. Chakwera arrived in South Africa on Thursday and held bilateral talks with his South African counterpart. The Malawi leader says he is a grateful. To Ramaphosa for hosting him in the capital, Pretoria, and called for South Africa's support as he starts his duties as SEDEC chair next year. The South African Federation of Trade Unions General Secretary Zulin Zimavavi has warned against commercializing the SABC, saying, Retrenchments will compromise the public broadcaster's mandate The SABC announced last week that it's going-ahead with retrenchments and wants to complete the process by the end of this year. Vavi says that the SABC's current financial model is a notch away from commercialization and the move by the public broadcaster will hit its capacity and therefore deviate from its core mandate.
10: that's commercialization for you and that's austerity government is refusing to come to the party because it dare not increase that three percent funding the result of it is going to be that sapc's capacity is going to decline big time the next thing that you're going to see is that there will be no journalist in the far outlining rural areas which uh, sapc is the only public institution that is currently uh, uh, covering because it is a public institution which has a mandate.
4: The U.S. dollar is trading at 3.77.49 Nigerian naira, 11.4 Botswana pula, 108.34 Kenyan shilling, and 20.88 Zambian Guacha. In BRICS currencies, Brazil one U.S. dollar costs 5.45. Russia 77 rubles 34. India 74 rupees 37. China 61.60. And in South Africa, a dollar is trading at 15 rand 49. The U.S. dollar is also trading at 75 pence to the British pound and 84 cents to euro. Gold $1,891 and platinum $889 per ounce brand crude oil $43.10 a barrel from an African perspective.
1: A sports update up next with Figi Lilingwati.
0: First up, it's football news. Banyana Banyana have retained their Kosafa Women's Championship after a 2-1 win over stubborn Botswana at the Isaac Wolfson Stadium in Port Elizabeth, South Africa's Eastern Cape Province. This was the seventh Kosafa Women's Championship title for South Africa and the fourth one in a row for former Banyana Banyana captain Desri Ellis, who took over as coach in late 2016. South Africa scored a goal in each half to beat the Zebras, who were playing in their maiden final in this tournament. This was good revenge for Banyana Banyana, who were denied an opportunity to qualify for the 2020 Olympic Games after losing to Botswana 3-2 on penalties last September. Subulele Holweni and Gabriela Salgado scored the two goals for South Africa. Golf News. Top-ranked Dustin Johnson won the Masters in record-smashing fashion, capturing his second major title with the lowest total score in Augusta national history. Johnson says it's a dream come true.
5: You know since i've been on tour that to, and you know since i played my first masters it's been the tournament i wanted to win the most and you know being close the last couple of years uh finishing second last year to tiger you know this one was you know it's just something that i really wanted to do and obviously starting today with a four shot lead you know i knew it wasn't going to be easy i knew i was gonna have to play well if i wanted to win and you know still you know played played probably better than you know especially from Really seven in, into the clubhouse. I played really, really solid. Hit a lot of great shots, but um, it was still hard. I mean, I was nervous all day, but I felt like I controlled, controlled myself very well. You know, um, controlled the golf ball very well in diff, difficult conditions. I felt like the win was really tricky. The course, the greens were a little bit faster.
0: In rugby news, Australian professional rugby union player Reese Hodge says Australia will be wary of Argentina in next week's Tri-Nation test. But also aware that the Pumas beating the All Blacks has opened up an opportunity for the Wallabies to get their hands on some silverware. The Tri-Nations replaced the rugby championship this year after the withdrawal of South Africa and Argentina's 25-15 upset of the All Blacks insignia on Saturday blew the competition wide open. Hodge says all the teams have won one game now and there's an opportunity for them to go in front on Saturday with the All Blacks having the week off and really put some pressure on for the last couple of matches. Lewis Hamilton secured a record equaling seventh Formula One World title after winning the Turkish Grand Prix and then warned pretenders to his crown saying he's only just getting started.
5: I feel like today was one of my best drives and I feel like I'm getting better so um, that's probably not what people maybe want to hear and there's going to be some sort of obstacles and road bumps uh, you know um, you call it road humps or whatever uh, humps ahead but that's okay, and I'm gonna stumble at some stage, but that's okay, that's a part of the growth process. Um, I welcome them, you know? However, I'm more aware of how to uh, navigate through those, how to overcome them quickly, and learn from them. And uh, I think today, like, you know, those last few laps, they're like, we're gonna pull you in for tires, and they like, no, 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 I've got this. I'm gonna stay out. And looking at the sky and seeing this, there just small drops of rain on my visor, and. For thinking now i've got this and just continue to believe in my in my instinct which is often the right one
0: <laughs> and finally tennis news rafael nadal launches bid for a first atp finals trophy in style on sunday taming inform andre rublev in straight sets in london after dominic team beat stefano Sitsipas. the spanish world number two chasing the biggest prize missing from his glittering resume barely broke sweat as he outlasted the russian debut Debutant six three six four 64 at an empty 2 Arena. Earlier U.S. Open champion team avenged his defeat by Tizipas in the championship match last year, beating the Greek 6th seed seven six seven five tie, 4-6 and 6-3. Nadal, who last month equaled Roger Federer's record of 20 grand slams by winning Roland Garros, has won 86 titles, but just one of those has come on an indoor hard court. That's the Sport News this hour. Africa rise and shine Africa zor Africa amika na unahe.
1: That wraps up Africa Raz and Sean today. For myself, Lulugabu, producer Luanda maome technical producer Mari Edwards, and the rest of the team. Thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at infochannelafrica.co.za, WhatsApp on plus or tweet us at Channel Africa 1. Taking us to the top of our for the news is Ipanoi by Black Diamond. Goodbye and keep safe. Mm.
2: I'm zog te nghe
6: I care, for you but you look with And
2: wow, in this, My love, my on my love. my love. my love.